Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters five and six of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. Libby, how, hello. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. I just want to preface that it is approximately 10 p.m. in Italy, and I might be just a little bit loopy tonight. So bear with me, guys. Libby, how was your week? It's been great. I'm losing my voice, so that's been fun. Real good for a podcast. Yeah. Uh huh. I thought I'd keep it interesting. Hopefully, if our listeners are still sticking with us, you know, throw something in for them. Keep them on their toes. They're gonna. Why does Libby sound like she's dying? Yeah, Libby wasn't actually that good. So this is Lizzie. Stop it. No negative self-talk in this house. Do you have any fun stories for our listeners today? Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Are we supposed to guess? I sure do. Am I supposed to tell you it? Do I talk? That's usually how things work here, but you know. Is that how podcasts work? Well, with your voice right now, no. Oh. We're not talking. <laughs> uh, so I think at all times I will always reading a Sarah J. Mass book uh, just because I'm, I'm addicted. I love it. You guys all know we're all part of the cult. We've said this plenty of times. So I've been reading, uh, I had been reading the Crescent City books and my daughter, my child, my daughter likes to cuddle up a lot. She's a very cuddly, lovey child. And she'll tend to watch cartoons on the couch while I'm reading. And she likes to curl up really close. And I, uh, I got to a particularly spicy, steamy part of the book. And she curled right up. And she's like, can we cuddle? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> not now. She was like, not at this moment, daughter. No. She's like, well, can you read to me? I was like, not this book. Nope. How about you go get another one? She's just, nope. She wants my book. I was like, I didn't, I don't think that's a good idea. And she's like, oh, is it scary? Yes. 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 It's a very scary book. It is a very scary book. I am shaking with fear. <laughs> that's what it is. Fear. Oh, Welcome, family, if you're listening. <laughs> it hasn't happened in this series yet, but I'm just waiting until one of our parents listens to some spicy, spicy content, and we're just going to have to explain. It's coming. The thing is, if you're not aware, Sarah J. Mass has some spicy content in her book. I'm losing my voice and my mind. Great. There's going to be some steamy scenes. There's going to be some steamy chapters. And I, th I think we've agreed. We fully intend to cover everything. So, you know, um, we did say we were going to cover this book in its entirety. Uh, that just happens to include some spicy scenes. And I am formally going to request that uh, our family doesn't listen to those episodes. We're going to give a little warning. But you know what? If you're going to choose to not heed the warning and you're going to listen, don't talk to me about it. <laughs> we are going to look each other in the eye and pretend it never happened. It didn't happen. I didn't say it and you didn't hear it. All right. So if you choose to forego our warning. That's on you. I have a much less spicy story for this week. Mine's kind of wholesome. I just had four. No, three back to back photo shoots that were probably the best of my entire 10 year career this weekend. Okay. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's like springtime in Italy. All the wild flowers are out. I shot in a poppy field. I shot in two different fields within the mountains, with the Dolomite Mountains. And it was just so pretty. And it made my heart so happy. Like, I woke up this morning and got to take photos of a little one-year-old baby and a cute little antique bassinet and freaking flower fields. Like, oh. that's that's like my dream. And so, yeah, I just... I don't know. I came back this evening from another great photo shoot with a, a one-year-old and like a six or seven-year-old, and she was a 
doll. So yeah, um, last week, lost 80 pounds. This week, all the photo shoots. Well, that's a dream. Okay, so Abby, this week, our question is, what chore do you hate the most? Laundry. That's not even a question. Okay, wow. That took you no time. You immediately had that locked and loaded. My husband and I do this thing, and I think you and your husband do it too, where we have very specific chores that are our responsibility, and then there are chores that are our husband's responsibility. Yeah. I wash the laundry. Washing the laundry is not the issue. I hate with a burning passion folding and putting away laundry. I would rather cut off my arm than have to put away laundry. I'm talking folding socks. That is like hell to me. My personal hell is going to be endless laundry and hanging up laundry and folding. I hate laundry. (laughs) Can you tell? Can you tell that it's my least favorite thing to do? I'm getting a little nervous here. I have no qualms when it comes to saying laundry is the worst household chore (laughs) to ever exist, followed by vacuuming with a bad vacuum. Oh, with a bad vacuum. I was going to say, I don't mind vacuuming. We have a nice one, a decent one. Okay, so for me, dishes. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, when I'm doing the dishes... I like to have noise, like a a podcast or a TV show, something, or music, just something to drown out the screaming in my mind. No, I'm kidding. No, just something in the background, really. (laughs) Uh, We need to get you to your therapist. When I'm doing the dishes, I like to have noise going on. And it's really frustrating to me when I am cleaning these dishes and like, someone comes up and they'll they'll have something to say to me or a question to ask because that seems to be everyone's favorite time to interact with me and I can't like quickly pause whatever's going on because I'm gonna have to like dry my hands and so I've got drippy hands and I can either get my phone wet which I also super duper hate or I, I can like try to scramble and get it paused it just never works it's just so frustrating to me and I hate it I really hate it people in my household probably not my child but who would that be Libby we're gonna leave it up to any discretion leave their coffee cups in the sink still holding coffee like it two seconds to drain the coffee down the drain no I gotta go clean out the coffee chunks so dishes I I don't drink coffee so how do you exist? I have quite the tea set up. But like, no coffee whatsoever? No, it's not like a thing. It just it just feels so heavy on my stomach. Okay. And so like, like I like like iced coffees quite a bit because it just, I don't know, it's like I'm tricking my stomach. I, I sound insane right now. This sounds ridiculous. No, it's fine. You don't sound insane. Me drinking my coffee. Well, I can drink tea hot and it not, like, make me feel uncomfortably full. Okay. Uh, if that makes more sense, if that sounds more human. No, but I, I will pretend I understand. All right, I'm done. Let's move on. Let's just go. I just love coffee so much that the thought of not having that caffeine burst when I hate people makes me want to cry. Oh, no, I love caffeine. I'll drink caffeinated sodas, energy drinks. I'm a, I shouldn't drink energy drinks. I drink way too many energy drinks. I love caffeine. Coffee, it just, it always makes me nauseous. Listen, you got tummy issues and so do I. So I'm not going to judge you for your weird, not, I mean, not weird hatred of coffee. It's a Capri Sun. She's sucking on a Capri Sun. Don't stop judging my drink choices, Abigail. It's so loud. I can't handle it. I scooted away from the microphone to do it. Are Are you going to be able to make it through your summary today? I just, I think so. I think my voice will hold out long enough. Do we need to make your husband make you some tea? You will. See, the thing is, my husband's too amazing. We're like, even if I don't want to do the dishes, I just have to tell my husband, I don't feel like doing this. I'm going to message him on Facebook and see if he'll make you some tea. <laughs> my husband could have been written by a woman. Like, he is awesome. D- tell me I'm wrong. Never. Because when I was dating, I always said, I want to find my Skylar. Like, that was literally something we said for years. As, hey. You weren't the only one. Even my sister would say that. It just... Your husband is a godsend. <laughs> He's great. 
And it's not fair because he's like, out of the two of us, I, I've said it before, I am definitely the pessimistic one. And he's not. He's just like so kind and amazing. And I'm like, God, why are you so good? Dang it. He is like good to the core. It's not fair. He treats you so well. And it and it's not for anything of like he's not doing it to get anything. He's not doing he just loves you. And I remember thinking, I need to find a man that loves me half as much as Libby loves Skylar. Vice both both yeah, both were. <laughs> or vice versa. And I did. Now I got my own. I got my James. I mean, he's definitely and I'd say so for James too. The definition of if he wanted to, he would. Right. Yeah, there, there's no question. Because Well, he takes our daughter like to and from school, and they'll call me on their way home sometimes. And like in the back, you can just hear our daughter like, we got you flowers. And he's like, hey, no. And you're just like, ah. It's just the little things. Just Oh, my God. We, we got married fresh out of high school. <laughs> we were literal teenagers still, and we got married. All right, Libby, while we wait for your lovely husband to bring you some tea, are you ready to do your chapter? I am, yes, for another installment of Dramatic Chapter Readings with Libby. Hey, last time, last time was less dramatic and I was sad about it, so we don't have dramatic lives, Libby. This is the one part of the week that we get to put a little drama in. Okay, chapter five, guys. Feyre is ushered out of the cottage and towards a horse that is showing respect to the beast that has just ripped her away from her home. This horse shows no sign of fear or even a reason to fear this beast. Feyre mounts the horse and they make their way north to Fairylands. Feyre contemplates her new life to come. Could she be enslaved? The treaty may forbid it, but she had killed one of their own. The rules may not matter after that. Feyre does not feel bad about what she's done, but the weight of it sinks into her. Immediately, Feyre is trying to forge plans to possibly kill the beast and one day escape. The beast seems to be civilized. Favor realizes that she knows very little about the fairies and their lifestyle, only the threats that they are to her own kind. She knew Prithian was divided into seven, each area ruled by their own high lord, all deadly. Favor continues to remind herself this being wants her alive, possibly cold and starving in a dungeon, but alive. Favor conspires to kill the beast with her hidden knife that night when they make camp. Feyre pictures the ruin of her family in the near future without her there to continue to save them. Feyre is more determined to escape now, but struggles to find weakness in her captor, who refuses to even tell her of his name. Feyre begins to pester the beast with questions, but is overcome with metallic smells and gives into a sudden overwhelming exhaustion. When she later wakes, she realizes the smell was magic, literal magic. Briefly, Feyre is annoyed, but then she sees she is surrounded by warmth and the life of birds and greenery on a metal gate up ahead of her. This could be heaven or hell. Only time would tell. Oh, that rhymes. Feyre is constrained uh, or restricted to her horse by magic and forced to follow the beast into these lands, unknown to her, but called Prithian. That's it. It was a shorter chapter. All right. That brings us to chapter six. The scene before Feyre was more beautiful than anything she'd ever seen. It didn't even compare to her former mansion. She doubted if a painting could even capture all the beauty that was before her. As beautiful as it was, something was off. The entire place was dead silent and reeked of magic. She began sweating in her winter clothes, the warmth of spring enveloping her as the horse continued following the fairy through the now open gates. Remembering the monster he was, she reached for her knife only to find it gone. She contemplated leaving, but she didn't know exactly how she got there because of the whole magic thing. Not to mention how thirsty, tired, and hungry she was. After trying and failing to get the mare to run away, she dismounted and followed the beast up the stairs. The inside of the mansion was even more stunning, with the black and white checkered marble floors and countless doors. One of those doors opened to her left, as if in a silent command to follow. She walked into a room with a huge table filled with more food and wine than she'd ever seen. Thankfully, she recognized the food. The fairy made his way to the head of the table and sat down. Feyre hesitated, remembering the rule she was taught as a child. If misfortune forced you to keep company with a fairy, you never drink their wine, never eat their food, unless you wanted to wind up enslaved to them in mind and soul. In front of her, the beast transformed into a blonde man, not a human or a lesser fairy, but a high lord. She could tell he was young, but his face was covered from his brows to his cheekbones with a fancy golden mask fixed with emeralds in the shape of leaves. He wore a darker green tunic that was plain. Not worn for style, but worn for fighting. A high prince, 
and a warrior? He then chugged a glass of wine quickly. Though Feyre wanted to leave to escape the nightmare she found herself in, she questioned the identity of the man before her. He didn't answer, instead demanded that she sit down and eat. When she appeared hesitant and noted that the food wasn't safe for humans, he only laughed. He then stated that the food was fine to eat, but the gates were also open. She could leave to live and eat wherever she pleased. Then walked in a stranger with red hair and a much fancier tunic. He also wore a mask, but this one resembled a fox. Oh, and he had a huge scar on his face from brow to jaw, and his eye was missing, replaced with a golden orb that appeared to move. The stranger asked if Andrus was dead. Feyre assumed Andrus was the wolf, as the beast-turned-man gave his apologies to the stranger. The beast told the stranger, whose name turned out to be Lucian, that Feyre, a mortal girl, killed Andrus, and the treaty's magic brought him right to her doorstep. Lucian couldn't believe that Andrus was taken down by a single ash arrow shot from a human, let alone a small girl. Feyre wished she had that arrow to kill this jerk now, as he asked if she enjoyed killing his friend. After such a delightful meeting, the beast said that Feyre would be taken to her room by a plus-sized lady with a bird mask on her face named Alice. As she was being led out of the room, she heard Lucian yelling at the beast man about how Feyre was nothing but a burden here. Alice brought Feyre to her shockingly luxurious room, where she was bathed and received a haircut. She was relieved only by the promise by the high fae of living out her days in Perinthian instead of being killed. Feyre sat in her robe after refusing a dress Alice had set out and wondered if all the stories she heard about Perinthian had been wrong, because here she was, safe in peaceful land. Thankfully, Alice returned with a shirt and pants for her to wear, since her clothes had been shredded the minute the servants attempted to wash them. Feyre didn't try to fight her, as Alice sat her down in a chair in front of the fire and started to braid her hair. Alice mentioned to Feyre that she was no more than skin and bones, and Feyre snapped back that that's what happened to poor mortals in the winter. Alice warned her to talk less and listen more, that it would do her good here if she listened. Alice warned that people would be upset about Andrus, but they had, they had known what he would face when he crossed the wall, that he might have found trouble. She said Lucian could deal with someone snapping back at him if she was up to it. And with that, Alice left. Hey, wow. All right. Also, like, what a jerk. So the thing that got me right from the start is the description of the, the land that she is now in. It sounds more like something Elaine would walk into and love. It doesn't sound like something that I could picture Favor just like being uh, speechless by. But with all the greenery and the flowers, I feel like this is something that had Elaine been the one to walk into, this would have been heaven for her. You know what's funny? She doesn't even mention Elaine once. Yeah, you think that it would remind her of her sisters, all the flowers. You'd think she'd see the flowers. I mean, they even said that there was roses and ivy hanging from every balcony on this. There was a lot of detail in the in the garden. And not once does she go, this reminds me of Elaine. Lots of icks for me with the beast guy. Yeah, with the monster. Oh, what, you know, the fact that she was like drugged. Is that, you know, red flag number one? Oh, there's that. Or how about when she was unconscious, he patted her down to find her weapon. But he had to like go through her clothes. That's weird. That's so weird. Oh, or when they're in, um, in the dining room, he's telling her to sit and eat. I, no, thank you. Don't tell me what to do. If I want to starve, I'm going to starve. You don't. Mm-mm. But he does say, like, leave if you want. I'm not your jailer. Gates are open. Go on. Go eat somewhere else. Then he should have started with that. He should have led with that in his mind. He should have re- reminded himself she has the freedom for whatever reason, apparently. The freedom, even though I won't let her go home, she has the freedom to stay here wherever she wants. So why are you going to turn around and be like, sit, eat? Like, bro, back up. I mean, she was hungry. He had to know she's already skin and bones and it had been days because he drugged her. Look, she could have had a food allergy. She could be <laughs> a vegetarian. He doesn't know why she's not digging in. There could be a gluten issue. Homeboy's just like, sit, eat. It's like, you, you didn't even ask me. She's like, I will shit all over your bathroom if you give me gluten. I'm going to break out immediately. I'm going to swell up so bad. Do you have an EpiPen? Because I don't. I think, yeah, thanks a lot, beast man. So how do you force people to do things? We learned a lot in these two chapters. We learned that the treaty forbade the fairies from taking the humans as slaves. There were few firsthand accounts of Perinthian itself. 
because the mortals that go over the wall usually uh, don't come back. So not a lot of people knew what was going on. So as Feyre was making her way towards Perinthian when, you know, she was conscious, she realized that, like, I don't know where I'm going. All I know is it's, it's divided by seven high lords. And, you know, that's about all we got. And then, you know, when... <laughs> When she wakes up from being drugged, thanks, bestie, Sarah, you just casually slide in that magic can just knock you right out. When she wakes up, the thing that really got me was she was talking about how she smelt the metallic tang of magic. And when I think of like a metallic tang, I think of blood, right? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. So does it smell like blood? Because that's gross. And if it smells like blood, does it smell like specifically human blood? Like, ugh. well, I didn't make the correlation until you said it. So now I get to ponder that. That's great. Because you think like humans obviously are not huge fans of magic because they, they can't do it. And so I wonder why it's. Well, and them living apart from the fairies too. They're probably not around magic enough to just right away be able to pick up on the signs of it. You know, this is the, there, she had no reason to be like, oh, I'm familiar enough. They have, there's two separate lands they're living in. They've been completely separated. This wall has been there for how long? This this divider to, to protect and keep them safe. So this is kind of, as far as we're aware, her first interaction with magic. And what a way to start getting knocked out by it. It's got to be her new favorite thing. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, Mr. Monster Guy had just, he was just, there was just a lot of, a lot of red flags for me like i to to start uh, when when he decides he has to sit at the head of the table like of course he does of course he does great and then yes also being bossy and demanding that she eats i also got these vibes that to him it's gonna be chivalrous where he's like oh you should eat you know like do as i say and i'm you know it, it, to him it almost gives off this air of, I don't want to say nobility, but he just feels just higher. I mean, he is he is a high lord, my friend. True. Very true. But it it almost feels like he thinks of himself as chivalrous for having saved her from her cottage, given her the opportunity to live on his lands, and now he's feeding her. I'm getting... And now almost gloating. Right. Like I'm getting these vibes where he pictures himself like where he's like, I'm doing a great thing. I am a hero. She's welcome. Well, imagine how freaked out she has to be when this beast goes to the table and then suddenly turns into a blonde dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like, excuse me? You couldn't have been the blonde dude the whole time? We had to go scary monster? I would have had a lot of questions. Like, did you choose that? Is it like a full moon thing? Like, what happened? Libby, we can't escape the fact that all these people are wearing masquerade masks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, and she just kind of like tells herself it's their fashion that is way more polite than I would have been. I'm like, what are you doing? When Lucian walked in with a fox mask, I would have been like, all right, I gotta ask, what's going on? We got Mr. Leaf face here, and now we got you, sir, that's wearing a fox on your head. And then in walks Alice. Alice looks like a bird. I was wondering, like, do they have other ones? Do they wake up each day and they're like, what animal do I want to be today? Who am I cosplaying as today? Okay, so at this point, enter in, red hair, finely dressed, scarf from brow to the chiseled jaw, golden eye orb thing. We got the the casual, she just casually mentions that his eyes missing and there's a golden orb that moves like he can see i love how she's just acting like all this is normal do you think it looks like an eye or do you think like it at least like gives the the feel of a prosthetic eye or is it literally just like you think that there's just this golden orb i'm kind of envisioning that it's like mechanical but like prosthetic mechanical or just like this mechanical ball in his eye in his skull i'm really i don't think it looks like an eye at all i think it's literally like a floating orb not floating but like 
Oh, and Nova's throwing a fit, by the way, because it's her bedtime and she doesn't want to go to bed. So if you hear our little tiny mascot in the background, please ignore her. I love that he just wa- strolls in and immediately is a jerk. Immediately is coming with the sass. Well, and what gets me is that he's throwing down the attitude really hard until Beastman is like, hey, be nice. And then Tis Tune immediately becomes charming, like immediately swept off your feet, charming. Where he's just like... We call that whipped where I'm from. Do you think that like it's obedience because he wants to and he, he just is that loyal to this person? Or do you think it's like a magic thing where like he does, he literally cannot disobey? No, I don't think it's a magic thing. I think it's more of a respect thing. Like he's the high lord. So we don't know who this guy is besides, you know, a complaining jerk. But well, you know what? We do know that he can go on our list of characters that needs therapy because clearly something's up with him. <laughs> yeah he's a little he's a little too snippy to not need therapy mm-hmm. oh and libby um speaking of don't worry our favorite word for the third time oh my god ribbon ribbons don't worry ribbon counter is that three right now <laughs> uh let's quote it here it says i wouldn't get half a mile like this i wouldn't get half a mile before he caught me and tore me to ribbons bestie Sarah, we gotta find some other words. There's gotta be a new way to phrase that. In walks Lucian, which by the way, I did Google to figure out how to pronounce because I've been calling him Lucian or Lucian. And then also Andres was Andreas after the Andreas Mountains, which I live near. Um, So in my head, all the pronunciations are off. Like I said, in the mass world, really doesn't matter because everybody's going to pronounce them different look we're going to say it how we we feel fit you say it how you feel fit hey i also just want to say we are not professionals and maybe sometimes the facts aren't 100 percent correct um that's because we're reading a book we did not write the book oh yeah i know this is all opinion based guys all opinion based i love how in walks lucian in a tunic of muted silver <laughs> she could have said gray she had a word count to meet all right and he too wore a mask i'm like could you could you imagine this redhead walking in with a gray dress shirt like a long dress shirt with a fox on his face how is she not giggling and how does this man have the confidence to be cocky i'm surprised she's not sitting there with her mouth agape like she's not just like what the fuck is happening what are you doing? What is happening? Why do you guys have masquerade ball masks on? Am I that poor <laughs> that like my face is normal? Oh, also, I just have to complain. She says people growl so much. I want to hear it, guys. If you can send in an audio of your most human growl, <laughs> I would appreciate it. Because I, I do. I've tried... To like when she's like, I growled in response. What? If someone did that to me? Libby, I literally think he's going, I think they're going, grr. (laughs) And then I laugh because I'm like, oh no. It's just like middle school, rawr. Right. These theoretical warriors are going, rawr, rawr, grr. If I get to a point where they're like, I love you, I'm done. I'm closing the book. That's it. Oh, actually, we do know a little bit about Lucian. We know that he's the quarter, courtier, courtier, and an emissary. Yeah, those words that you pronounce better than me. We do know that. Um, And then we also know that he's kind of a jerk. And definitely tried to flatter Feyre, and Feyre was not having the compliment about eyes like stars and hair like burnished gold. Okay, dude, you were just so rude to her, complaining that she killed your best friend, and now you're trying to compliment her? You just, like, take a breath, because, like, let's, let's not pretend that wasn't incredibly high. Like, Lucian, oh my gosh, Lucian. Okay, Libby, do you have a thing for the bad guys? Yeah, yes, that, that is my favorite trope. We like the baddies. Morally gray. That's a good color on us. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. So in this section, like, after after the flattery, Alice comes to whisk her away. And did you notice 
that as she's walking away, Lucian said, that's the hand the cauldron thought to deal us. And cauldron is capitalized. So we don't know why or what that is or... A little odd to me, just because in our real world, cauldrons are typically associated with witches. Um, and the fae are not something I would picture right. going hand in hand. So I am interested to know more. Oh, don't worry. I've seen four growls since we mentioned it. So, oh, oh my God. Uh, Monster Man, whose name we still don't know. I have more bones to pick with Monster Boy. Uh, the fact that he kidnaps Farah, let's just call it what it is, kidnaps Farah, and then decides to belittle her home and calling her cottage a hovel. Excuse you, your privilege is showing, sir. Like, got it. Not all of us lived in mansions. Okay, you're, you're kind of a jerk. It's not, and not in like the fun Lucian guy way. Not where Lucian makes it kind of like, okay, like that's kind of flirty. No, he's just a jerk. And it's not, it hasn't been redeeming to me yet. So he's got no personality, no humor. He's just a controlling jerk right now. No name. All we know is he likes to drug people and take them home. We're doing great. We're doing great. And growl. He's a growler. <laughs> Ew. That's not how I meant it, but you know what? It fits, I bet. Do you have any more, any more bullet points about this man? Not about him. I'm ready to like wash my hands of him right now because I would love to love on Alice. Like I immediately think she's the greatest. She is so entertaining to me. I don't think she's entertaining. I think she's boring. I think she's just like a background character. I give zero shits about right now. What? All right. I see what won me over is like, I guess because she did, she did to Farah. What I do to my own child when she's arguing with me. And like, Farrah's like, I don't want to wear the dress. I want my clothes. And she's like, you know what? Okay, go ahead. You want these? These are what you want. These tattered, shriveled up, nasty pieces. You can have them. Go ahead. No. I didn't think so. So like. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So she's more, she's more mothering Farrah than anything. Yeah. That's a fair way to put it. I do have to say Farrah's kind of being a little bratty. Oh, she totally, the poutiness, like, Farah. I don't want the, the dresses either. Like, I get it, but. She's given this beautiful gown, and she's literally like, no, and sits down and crosses her arms and looks out the window in a robe. I just picture her, like, stopping her foot, crossing her arms, don't want it. <laughs> Alice is like, what? The, who did this guy bring me? What am I stuck with? Who are you? (laughs) I do like that she tried to at least give a warning. Like, hey, talking back here is not the way to go. You listen, you're going to be good to go to everybody but Lucian, who, you know, could use some talking back to. Well, and that's, that was my next point. I love that Alice is like, you know what? If you, if you want to give anyone some attitude, he's the one to do it. Like, she she doesn't care. She's like, loyalty? Yeah, I got it. But, like, I'm not going to play your games either. Like, mm-mm. Just because you're, you're higher ranked than I am. Because definitely, Lucian being an emissary and a courtier, like, that's got to outrank Alice's position in the house, like, working in the house. I would say so. I mean, she's a servant. Right, so she she probably should be respectful and obedient of him, but she's like, no, nah, you know what? Here's the tea. If you want to mess with anybody, he's the guy to do it. And I was just like, I can appreciate that. I love how even though she's in this new world and is not thinking about her sisters, she still thinks about her dad. You know, my thought on that is that I feel like people have a tendency to yearn more for the love and attention of the people who are less likely to give it. And her dad has been so wrapped up, cocooned into himself and into his fantasy world that like she probably yearns for, I mean, maybe it's a stretch. I could be completely overleaping here. I'm going to be so mean. (laughs) And for anybody who's lost their parent, this is not aimed at you. 
But if you're saying that she yearns after the love she can't get, I mean, if you're dead, you can't give any love, Libby. So, shouldn't she think about her mom? Alright, I'm gonna rescind my opinion. I was trying to give, I was trying to justify why she could be missing. Maybe it's just that it's her dad. I don't know, maybe, maybe she just, I don't know. I don't know, Farah. why? Why? We don't get it. We're trying to help you and you're not doing us any favors. I'm already so sorry about that statement. I meant it with no malice. I'm just saying to counteract Libby. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with counteracting me. I, you're absolutely right. Or she right. still gets nervous and like a chill went down her spine because she realized the venison would be running low already. Ma'am, you have just been drugged. You have just been brought into a random house in a place you've never been in a world you don't know any of the rules in. Where essentially everyone's somewhat hostile towards you. I think the last thing you should be worried about is how long that deer is lasting. And maybe you should be a little bit more worried about your situation instead of thinking you're in this calm and peaceful world. You know? Also, it's only been like, what, two days since she left? Is what That was the travel? If that was, That deer should have lasted them a week. If they have burned through it in two days, like, that's on them. Like, what the heck, guys? You were told. I just want to keep going. Because, like, I feel like these two chapters were obviously necessary. We needed to have this. This is more like a world building. Story building. Yeah, setting the scene. The, the last two chapters made a little bit more a little bit more drama. But these two chapters, I kind of just feel like... They're the filler that we need to... Un I can feel that things are about to happen. And I just want to get to them i think we're not far off from those moments i clearly get more frustrated with these characters i have a lot less sympathy for them than i think you do i'm not as kind of forgiving for their nonsense i'm trying it's just i try to think about relating it to real world circumstances if someone thought that they were doing me a favor and rescuing me from a worse situation and and immediately they're just like sit eat and like acting like, fine, just go ahead. <laughs> You'd be like, screw off. Go die. Pompous and none of it is endearing. He, there's nothing redeeming about him yet. I'm waiting. No, we haven't seen a single redeeming quality. Because you can't even say he cares about if she eats. Because he, he wants her to eat. Not that he didn't even say you need to eat. Because he doesn't care. He said go. Go if you want. Yeah, starve, pass out, do what you gotta do. Immediate defensiveness is another red flag. He's clearly the leader in this situation, in this household of people so far, and he seems to live too much in that, that world. He seems to embrace it too much. Why not give up his name? Like, dude, you just stole this woman from her whole life. Yeah, that's weird. The least that you can do is give this woman your name. So she doesn't think she's just, I mean, with the, some random murderer. Who's she going to sell you out to? She knows nobody there. Well, okay. Back to the, the not wanting to take the dress thing. I mean, really it's because she, the whole plan is to escape and she knows she can't escape in a, in a dress. So, I mean, I get it, but it's also really dramatic the way she pouts about it. I will stand by that statement. I just found it more funny than anything. I was like, God, you're being silly. Of all the things to go down, this is this is the battle, the, the hill you're going to die on over this, really. I mean, she doesn't really have any control whatsoever. And I think her clothes were the last thing that she had from her former life. That's a fair point. So maybe clinging on to them as dirty as they were, it was it was some tie to her past life. Again, though, that's why I really loved Alice. When Alice isn't going to spend her time fighting with her on it, she's like, you know what? You want it so badly? Here you go. Go ahead. You tell me how, how much better that is. And, like, I, I love that. She's not going to stoop to her level. She's like, will you wear the dress now? Now will you wear it? You good, you good now? Can we move on? Can I do my job? And Farrah's like, I know I should probably get up, should agree, but I just, like, laid back in my seat even more. And then Alice is like, fine, and <laughs> brings in the two naked pants. Compromise. We've, we've had two really heavy chapters. So at least there was a little bit of levity with uh, Lucian doing his bad guy, jerk, but also kind of flirty vibe. He's upset that he's finding out that someone he considered to be a friend has been murdered 
by this person now dining at their table? Like, I, I'd be pretty frustrated, too. When the beast turned man was supposed to go and kill the person. Right. And then, ta-da, here she is. How upsetting would that be if you you come home, your loved one has been killed, and you come home from doing emissary emissary things. I know what those things are, definitely. And you're sitting down to eat, and here's the murderer. Does she ever eat? I don't think she ate, guys. But you know what she did do every step of the way? Start to make plans to kill and escape. <laughs> every step of the way, she was looking for her ways out. When Lucian walked in, she's like, I stepped forward only a step. I wasn't sure what I was going to say, um, but I kept my mouth shut. And then while he's throwing his little temper tantrum and the beast turned man tells him to like behave, Alice walks in. It says, I didn't have to face the consequences of refusing him another time as someone strode past me heading right for the head of the table. She doesn't. Libby, I'm done. I am done with this recap. I'm mad. Give me your quote. All of this, please eat stuff, and she doesn't even get food. That's frustrating. Wow. Wow, Pharaoh. I, I don't have that kind of de- dedication. I would break so easily. I'm hungry. So my quote, <clears throat> let me clear my freaking my throat. Uh, she said, <clears throat> live with him. I reminded myself again and again and again, live not die. I, being someone who can get very anxious, would have been panicking the whole time and thinking that everything was a trap and just waiting for the other shoe to fall. Like all the worst things still aren't the worst things. The worst thing is always one step away. Like I could always, there can always be something worse just around the corner for me. I can never be at ease. And she's, she's like, you know, I'm supposed to be alive. They want me alive. And she's focusing and holding on to that. So, like, I have to give kudos to her for, like, holding on to that bit of hope. It's another sign of her strength to be able to be in the midst of what would normally send anyone with anxiety into a full-on panic attack. And she's holding on to, hey, they said I'm going to live. And fairies don't lie. Uh, I have two quotes. I wouldn't say either of them are my favorite uh, like I said, I feel like these are just filler. Notable mentions? Yeah, we'll, we'll call them honorable mentions. Um, I think these are just filler background that we need in order to progress in the story. So with that being said, my favorite two here are, um, it's on page 46 of the physical book. It says, my prison or my salvation. I couldn't decide which. Can I just say I love that word? Like Which one? Prison? She uses it quite a bit, but I love it. It really hits home. Salvation. Gosh, I should have said that. I started with that. <laughs> you really should have clarified. I love prison. So I love the word prison. <laughs> if you need to know anything about me, I love prison. No, salvation, Abby. I love that word because it really hammers the point home. I can't even, I can't right now because all I can think is I love prison. Prison, prison, prison. Quote number two is actually on literally the next page. And it says, to paint it would be useless, would never do it justice. And you know what? I feel this, but in a photography way, because sometimes when you take a picture, it just doesn't do it justice. And technically, the photo can be fine. Like from a technical aspect, all of the settings near your camera could be right, but the camera just cannot capture the beauty. And it usually happens with like, I personally think with sunrises and sunsets or fog over mountains, you know, you can, you can try to take a picture, but it doesn't capture it correctly. And the same thing I think happens with people. I was just thinking that you can't capture people's joy or their character or how they make you feel in a photo. So I understand that completely. To paint it would be useless, would never do it justice. Sometimes you can't. That hit my little heart just a little bit. In the midst of learning about um, a fox-faced man with a golden eye, there were some nice things. So just a real quick summary in layman's terms here. We got a poor girl who was hungry. She killed a wolf who killed a doe. She sold the wolf hide. For money to a 
painkiller, came home, in busts in a monster. The monster kidnaps her, drugs her, brings her to a whole different world. Steals from her. Give her her knife back, man. She has so little. Yeah, steals her knife, brings her home, then has his friend yell at her, tries to force feed her, (laughs) makes a lady give her her a a haircut, ruins her only clothes she has. And a bath. They bathed her. And then just leaves her alone in this luxurious room. Am I wrong? No, I I don't... (laughs) Okay, but I also don't know how much I believe him because you just reminded me with like the force feeding stuff. He's alluding to her being able to come and go as she pleases. But can she? Like, can she actually? I don't know. She dies. She knows no one. Where would she sleep? Where would she go? So technically, yes. And maybe that's why he offers it up to her because she has no ability to do that. So leaving, letting her think that she has the freedom to do it because where was she going to end up? She truly has no other option. A false sense of security, I guess, which is screwed up. That is no bueno. I'm going to give him negative five stars. I'm not, I, I don't approve. So beast boy right now, negative five. Uh, hot fox boy with the gold eye. 3.5 i'm gonna give it like a two 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 point five alice will bump her up to like a four because she's like a caring like a caring mom i like alice yeah she doesn't seem she doesn't seem phased by at this point at least fair as humanity wait bestie sarah how dare you call alice rotund no i don't like that stop <laughs> weight shaving my dear friend alice as a sole member in this group of people of the plus size community, <laughs> I am taking it personally. I didn't take it as that, but I, okay. That's never a word I've used before though either. So it's not one I'm familiar enough. Well, when I think rotund, I'm just like, oh, she's fat. Like you, you're never going to say rotund about a thin person. <laughs> That's not an option. I don't think I ever said rotund about anyone. <laughs> yeah, because we shouldn't comment on people's weight, but okay. So we've got a couple complaints, Bestie Sarah. We've got one, you use the word ribbons far too often without actually using the word ribbons for what ribbons are meant for. Um, two, s- stop fat shaming. Um, three, yeah. if you use the word growl one more time, I might throw your book. Not into a fire or anything. I just might throw it across the room. I'll read it later, but I'm going to need a moment. That's this whole series. Let's be real. I will read it again. I just need a moment emotionally. Libby, you ready for our um, star of the week? Yeah. Tell me about them. Their Instagram handle is lived in art. L-I-V-E-D-I-N-A-R-T. And this girl makes custom painted jean jackets. And this is a niche I didn't know I needed until I saw it. And I was like, wait, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. She sells them on Etsy. And so she gave us a little bit of a backstory here. She is 27 and she lives in the Oregon coast with her boyfriend and her two dogs. She did a wine and paint night with her best friend a few years ago and then became obsessed with painting and couldn't stop. She made a Taylor Swift inspired jacket and posted it on a Facebook group and had a bunch of people asking if they could buy it anywhere. So she started an Etsy. She mainly focuses on wearable art like denim jean jackets, but recently got into doing tote bags and sometimes she does canvases. She's particularly proud of her I am the rock against which the surf crashes Valkyrie inspired jacket from a court of silver flames, which we we will get there. Um, She absolutely loves that jacket and thinks it's a great subtle way to be able to rep the Akatar series, but in a badass way. Libby, I so agree. This jacket is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. They're so well done because she, and it's not, that's not her only jacket. Like she has other jackets. No, her Etsy is full of them. And as a Swifty, she's got some Swifty ones. I love wearable art. Like I just, just the, the description alone, it it just, ah, it's so cool. It just makes it that much cooler to know that she's putting so much into these jackets. And they're amazing. They're so well done. And listen, ladies, if anybody is still going to the Eras tour, 
she's got a bunch of really, really, really cute, like, Eras-themed jackets still available on her Etsy. So please go give her a look. I'm going to go ahead and put all of her information in the show notes here. And you can find her on Etsy and Instagram. So calling all dreamers, as always, we want to hear from you guys. We would love to interact. We want to hear your thoughts and opinions, your feelings. What'd you have for lunch today? Like, I'm always looking for new recipes. Oh, please tell me. I'm Yeah, I'm looking for some new meal prep ideas. So if you've got like Akatard's fire recipes, that's really cool. What are they going to give us? Peasant stew? Venison? <laughs> Dried venison? If, if you're following along with us, we're probably not going to eat it. But you can at least yell at us and try. Listen, we're both from the Midwest. I am sure we know somebody who makes... Uh, my dad literally makes dried deer jerky. So... Well, whatever it is you have to say, we want to hear it. Email us at a court of thorns and podcast at gmail.com. Again, tell us anything your heart desires that's Akatar related. We want to hear it. We can't wait to hear from you. Oh, and we are always taking submissions for our star of the week. So please also send over an email if you've got anybody that you love that does some Akatar related merch. And look, we're not professionals. You don't have to be either. Show us what you got. Listen, if you make stick figures and just call them Feyre, go for it. You could be you could be our next star of the week. You think we're kidding? Try us. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. Fuck bitches get money. Please leave that in. I will redo it. I like (laughs) if you would have put that after the outro, I think I found our outro clip for episode three. That is gold.